Let's all crawl down the slippery hole behind the filing cabinet. It's time for Pod Cusack. It's Pod Cusack, baby. It's Welcome to Pod Cusack, the only podcast about and for American male actor John Cusack, everyone's favorite B-plus actor. With me today, thank you so much for being here. I have comedian extraordinaire Bailey Edwards. I actually really don't think he's B-plus. I think he's a solid fucking A-minus. You're the first person, I think, who's been an actual hardcore Cusack fan on the pod yet. I'm I love John Cusack. With me also today is extremely amazing comedian, writer, filmmaker, Katie Ruth Ashcraft. Hi, I'm excited to be here. I also, I would think of him as A-list. Thank you. That's so yeah. interesting. Everyone I've talked to thus far has been like pretty His negative. name is so Hollywood. Like, like John Cusack, American celebrity. Icon. Yeah. Well, what is your relationship like historically with John Cusack? Are you like from young on, like saw say anything really early and then just like have been a fan since or yeah. what, Bailey, yeah. what, what's your. Um, I would say one of the first like boy, like, you know, uh, big boy, big boys, uh, <laughs> big major romances in my life was like um, probably the premise around the entire relationship was our love for say anything. Mm hmm. So I thought that like making a woman come was holding a boom box over your head outside of their bedroom window and having their dad be like a scary army man. So maybe, maybe I'm, you know, wrong. Maybe I'm not representing. There's no right or wrong. That's no. just I, I, lived know, I think you represent a, a large chunk of people, especially in the in the 90s, right? Yeah, and I think that I wasn't like, it was like way after that movie came out, it was like, it felt like we were watching like a vintage movie and our whole relationship was that movie. But I do think that like also High Fidelity, like th there were so many movies that were like, I don't know, mm -hmm. how, how, who are these people you're talking to? Tim Keck, uh, you know, oh. guest on <laughs> guest on the Con Air podcast really uh, was relatively negative about John Cusack as an actor. Well, so here's my relationship to John Cusack which is that I actually know almost nothing about him and I've seen almost none of his movies. So I'm going to be <laughs> incredibly fun during this podcast, but he's of, like he exists. It's something I think about in total in with the movie, John Malkovich being John Malkovich is like every person in it, save for Cameron Diaz. I like, or what there are these, people that I'm like, yeah, those are famous celebrities. I don't really know anything about them. But if you were like John Cusack, Catherine Keener, I'd be like, okay, they're very famous. I, my first introduction to him, which was my introduction to all celebrities was watching the red carpet of award shows and then not watching the award show. Sure. <laughs> um, that's what I really enjoy. I love the, and so I feel like I would see glimpses of him or I'm also like a tabloid, I, or especially I was a tabloid mag person. I'd mm -hmm. buy them all the time. So I don't remember like his relationships. I only remember his movie. I like when 
I don't think about John Cusack as being like a celebrity dater. Which is so funny because as I've been doing this podcast, one of the categories we'll get to later is who was he dating and how did it affect his relationships? He's been a long time like relationship hopper, like hopping from famous person to famous person to famous person, but always out of sort of the, never got like the Us Weekly treatment, I think. No, but you know what? He always pops up for me, you know, or at least my Instagram discover page, they'll have these like accounts that are like, 90s love or whatever and it's like or like you know 90s movie premieres and it'll be like chic couples that were like a couple briefly for one summer they were like this is them at the shrek premiere or something like that (laughs) but it's like john cusack pops up in that like with his girlfriend du jour you know Mm -hmm. and i'm seeing a lot of that and i think that's also what cemented him in my mind as this like very 90s figure um because of my 2020 Instagram discover feed. <laughs> well, I also remember this quote that I read in like, I want to play us weekly about John Cusack saying something about Texas women, which like I'll cling to if I can. And so I had Googled it before this podcast. Cause I was like, did I make that up? Did I just like want that to be true? I didn't make it up. This what did he say? Okay, he said the, the, the interviewer was from Texas and he like brought it up. He was like, you're from Texas, right? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, that's one of my best female friends from Texas. And he was like, Texas women have an amazing sense of purpose, but when they lose it, they lose it. They're the best girls in the world. They're loyal and fun, but when they get mad, they're going to try to kill you. And I liked that. No, that's a great quote. There's not quotes like that about Maryland girls (laughs) because there's there's nothing monolithic about us at all. (laughs) Well, what I wanted to bring up, I think, and specifically when it comes to being John Malkovich, which is the movie that we're going to talk about today, um, is like, I think he is, he says, there's something he says about the the change in masculinity over time, right? And especially in movies and like what Hollywood, the representations of masculinity that we see as like leading man. Like mm-hmm. in the 70s, you know, you had Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, Clint Eastwood, and then into the mm-hmm. 80s, like Reagan era, you get your Schwarzeneggers, your beefcakes, your Sly Stallones. And then in the 90s, I think there was some, I think this was all fake. I don't think this was real, but there was this idea of men are becoming more enlightened and they're becoming more sensitive. And it's like this embrace of uh, a, a specific kind of beta male that is not, you know, your Arnold Schwarzenegger like Olympian, but wow. he's, he's a little smart. He's a little sensitive. And I think Cusack is like emblematic of that kind of 90s masculine, the, the man of the 90s. The beta male, absolutely, in John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, beta. And nobody was also that in the, uh, the, all the, you're right. That's right. Like a sensitive, yeah. Say huh. anything, that's who he, exactly who he is. Like he, he plays opposite like an army general dad, right? Like Yeah. And I think he's the two sides of the coin, right? There's the say anything that's the charming side where you're like, oh, he's that's the dream. That's what I want in a man or the man I want to be. And then there's being John Malkovich where he is like, you know, it's like incel, like what we now call like incel culture where it's like they think of themselves as the idealized John Cusack, but where, what they're actually, they are, is this like needy, like loathsome being Puppeteer. John Malkovich version. Puppeteer, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, which I want to get into. But some of the stats of this movie: uh, Being John Malkovich, released in 1999 to great acclaim, but not a not a huge hit. Only 22 million dollars at the box office on a 13 million dollar budget. But while it wasn't a hit, I think it was like a cultural thing. People yeah. knew about it. People talked about it, even if not that many people saw it. Um, yes. Cusack number, as I said, is one, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. I will say one of the major legacies of this movie that I uh, learned in my research was it spawned just terrible headlines for profiles forever. There's no less than 10 profiles of John Cusack, and the headline is being John Cusack. <laughs> it's the Washington Post did one, The Guardian, Chicago Tribune, London Evening Standard, NY Daily News, and like a bunch more all have like profiles on him from throughout the years. And the that's headline really is, funny. Yeah. Just go a simple Google would. They would know. Um, I also think this movie represents for me like a weird moment in like the meta tragedy of John Cusack. Because like <laughs> in the film which we'll get into his character is like constantly having like artistic struggles for like love and for relevance. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the best Cusack acting he's ever done. I think this is like the peak, not, not the most iconic. Obviously I think say anything is the most iconic, but also I love gross point blank. I love high fidelity. I personally mm -hmm. think this is his best. And yet even when people think of this movie, I think he's like, the fourth or fifth person that comes up in conversation after like Malkovich or Charlie Kaufman or Spike Jones or any of like, you know, cause it was Charlie Kaufman's first movie and Spike Jones' yeah. first movie. And even like Catherine Keener got nominated for Oscar. He didn't. And I think even oh. in his best role, he's still getting like overshadowed somehow, which I think is there's some sort of meta connection between the, the movie right. itself. Definitely not a role he's getting any, it's not doing him any, like, He's there's nothing sexy about his character in this. Like he's really despicable and incelly, like you oh, said. Oh yeah, there's de there's definitely yeah. something sexy. Oh, just a moment for how absolutely sexy Catherine Keener is. You went to my college, and she's literally the only important person to come out of my college, other than several of um, JFK's mistresses. Her character was just like so sexy. I was like, why can't I dress like this? Like I was like. Where can I go in like a chic black mini dress? <laughs> Nowhere. That's the answer. It's a pandemic and it's November. But um, loved the thought. <laughs> I did also find her character sort of despicable, though. She's really oh, mean. absolutely. But, <laughs> but she's sexy and despicable. Oh, yeah, and John Cusack's character is not sexy and despicable. Well, this he's movie just... does wonders for like... It's it's a real proof of how if you give people bad hair, it can really make them, it can change everything. Like you yeah, got John Cusack and Keener. Cameron Diaz and they totally. both, their sexiness levels get hard depressed just by their bad hair. I know, the Cameron Diaz too, it was surprising. Cause like, okay, so the first time I watched this movie, I was a freshman in college and it was like, you know, I'm sure most colleges do this. It was like an English seminar and there was like a lot of different variations of it and you could choose. And it was kind of basically to get all freshmen on the same like writing level of like, this is how you write essays in college. Whatever the class I chose, it was some film class. And the first movie we had to watch was being John Malkovich and write an essay about it. 
And I remember just being like, wow, college rocks. <laughs> I was I'm watching this crazy movie. Like, who could have ever thought of this? <laughs> um, but then I hadn't seen it since then. So, like, I had forgotten a lot about it. <laughs> so you were the one who chose this movie for the podcast today. Was that because it's the only one you had seen before? <laughs> well, yeah, because I also sometimes have a hard time wanting to watch new things. Um, and I was like, oh, I really want to rewatch this. And I remember liking it a long time ago. Um, but I also just like, you gave us such a large catalog. I got overwhelmed by everything. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to do the one I've seen and just watch it again. And then I will, um, have more of a history with it. <laughs> have you seen this before Bailey? Yes, I had seen it before. I've seen it several times. Um, it's good. I, I will say though, that this movie gives me so much anxiety and like that's because it's good and like yeah. the purpose of it but it is a during this week for our listeners at home um this is on the eve of the election night so mm -hmm. th there was already a lot of need for xanax in my blood and I don't, I don't know that this movie was the best content for me to be <laughs> it's definitely it's a crazy movie but i also love that in the sense of like charlie kaufman just Oh, would love to sit down with him and be like, how'd you write this one, babe? <laughs> it's great. I just, I, I always like respect a movie that makes me feel terribly anxious. Yeah. Because it's not how I want to feel, but it's like, I, I, I respect it, but I also sometimes don't want it, even though I can like respect the art of it. I mean, I think this movie is pretty unsettling. I think it is, yeah. it, it, you change a couple of things and it could be a horror movie. And actually there is a, there's a theory that it is a Get Out is a secret sequel to this movie. Have you heard this? That's theory? funny because I actually read the screenplay for Get Out this afternoon and it made me think about Katherine Keener. And I was like, what hasn't this woman done? She did a movie I watched last week and a script I'm reading this week. <laughs> I mean, she is a national treasure. But um, she's also underappreciated. Very yes. underappreciated. The amount of people who you could say Katherine Keener to and they would show a blank face to that Wheaton alum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean. And she can do anything. She can should be like, she's in Get Out. She's so unsettling and a great villain. And then she can be so sweet and warm in something like the 40-year-old virgin and then just be like mm -hmm. a cold sort of ice queen in this. And she has, she's wonderful. Yeah. It makes sense that she was the one who got nominated out of this movie. I mean, Spike Jones oh. and Charlie Kaufman also did. But yeah. uh, she's phenomenal. Oh, um, she's incredible. But the theory uh, is, so this movie is, you know, body snatching and sort of John Cusack, spoiler alert, ends up getting stuck in like the sunken place, right? And so the yeah. theory is that Emily, the daughter uh, at the end of the movie is Allison Williams' character from, mm. from Get Out. And then Kat Cameron Diaz, who is wanting to transition is uh becomes a, somehow the bradley whether through transitioning or through actual bo another body snatching situation becomes bradley oh. whitford and katherine keener is the same wow person. that's a fun theory that is a fun theory i guess where i just get so amazed is like how they think up like or like with a get out it's like yeah, this is a secret society of people who like capture young black men and like go into their bodies. And then, you know, there's the blind man who explains all of this. Um, 
And I'm like, how does someone think up all these rules? And I get so in my head. And that's how I kind of felt about John Malkovich a little bit. But then it was also something just like as a writer watching it, you're like, it's so fun and freeing to just be like, Charlie Kaufman was like, yeah, you're going to go into this brain and then get spit out on the Jersey Turnpike. And like, if anyone said that to any of us in a writing workshop, you'd be like, okay, we're going to have to like ground this in a little more reality. And it's like, no, babe, do exactly that. <laughs> um, and I liked that. It being the Jersey Turnpike is such a perfect. Oh, it's great. That was just so funny seeing. Like anytime anyone got spit out onto it. Even like, just <laughs> it being the Turnpike versus the Parkway, uh, yeah. being from New Jersey, even that specific is just so much. It's so much. Everything is like he picked the funniest version of the thing. Like the Turnpike is funnier than like John Malkovich is the perfect level of actor of like respected famous but not too famous not like sexy older he was like in his mid 40s he's not you know it's like everything was perfectly chosen to be the funniest version of it yeah and malkovich oh i'm not i meant is oh cusack cusack is a lifelong bachelor (gasps) Wow. I think that's fun. I think that's also very beta male 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, think, no, not I, no. to I feel like there's like a lot of men from that generation who... Matt, tell me if this is a detour, but can we um, pontificate on what kind of lover he would be? I. That's not a detour. That's exactly what this podcast is for. <gasps> Amazing. Okay, so thoughts? I, don't, uh, I go I'm back missing. and forth. You went? I go back and forth. I can see him being, and you know, it's tough with an actor because he's played so many different kinds of characters that I, it's hard to think about him as a person and not the characters he played. And sometimes I'm thinking like, oh, he'd be so sensitive and so attentive. And then sometimes I think he might be a little bit selfish. I don't know. See, I think he would be very a sensitive lover, but I think he'd be um, like, more sensitive than my liking Mm. does that like like a gentle lover and like i think there's a woman and there's women out there and men and people in between who appreciate that but i think i would not be sexually compatible with him i think i'd want him to like i think i would be like will you dry hump me to completion and he would do that and then i would be like will you lightly choke me and he would not feel comfortable with that that's where I feel yeah. like between is like he's or he would do it and then be like can we talk about what happened last night and I'd be like what like <laughs> no I want that's just part what we do in bed I'm bringing up a photo of him right now that is interesting because I think he just however many interviews I've read a lot of interviews and profiles on him and listened to some podcasts that he's on and he just doesn't seem he seems like he would be the opposite I think <gasps> a little bit not Maybe not the complete opposite. Like he might still be good, but I don't think he would be a pushover. I th- he seems I like think, I think he would be a gr- like. I think he's just a specific type of lover, mm-hmm. and and there's a specific person out there who wants to receive that. I just I'm just looking at these photos of him, and like none of my pheromones are activating. What, what do you think it means that he's had so many relationships? He's gone. Sometimes I think, I think of like, oh, relationship hopping so quickly, so many with with very few long term relationships is like, 
oh, you're like insatiable. Like you, you, you're with a girl, but then you just want the next girl. So you're jumping to the next girl. Or does that mean like, he's just not, he's not someone that someone wants to be with. I think, and not, I don't think that's, that sounds harsher than it is. But what I think is like, I think it's a little bit like teenage boy, young man syndrome of like maybe not being able to activate that deeper level of intimacy. Um, and maybe not wanting to, which is fine, but that's like the vibe I get of like, also like he's very fun. He's probably interesting. He's a good conversationalist, like a very fun person to date. Um, and maybe that's what he wants to do. Like maybe that's like the level he wants to keep his relationships at. And then when it, the, people he's in them with are like are we gonna make this more serious he's like that's not really my jam and then they're like okay and it ends really amicably (laughs) or or my counter to that which i think that's a strong possibility but i think there's another strong possibility about the same kind of guy who is like immediately meets somebody is like i'm in love with you because i know guys like this that are like they're not lying but when they meet a girl they're like no no no, i'm in love with her and it's not dishonest they really feel that way but they feel that way when they meet any kind of girl that they find interesting or hot mm-hmm. and then they're like all in and then like sort of reality sets in seven months later mm-hmm. and so it's sort of like somebody fred armison once said this and I, it like haunts my dreams he was like i'm i really like the beginnings of things and then the rest That's i do fun and i personally feel that like not quite as hard as Fred Armisen, but I understand it. It's like, I could see John Cusack being a guy who likes the beginning of things and gets really caught up in like that. And then the whole like seeing it through when shit gets hard, when life is real, it's sort of like, and when you're a famous person, like it's pretty easy to, to like- Go to the next. Yeah. And so like- Totally. My counter is that he's not like, it's not like, yeah. Well, I certainly relate to that because I've been that guy in the past of like Which been too deep to, to, to said I love you too quick, that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, way too quick where it's like weird. And like you said, it's like not um, it's not some sort of misleading thing. It's just like it's how I feel because you get like sort of hopped up on the high of what that yeah. feeling means to you. And I think that that is something that a lot of like young it's a young man's game that like young, falling in love real quickly. Well, young man syndrome. Exactly like what you said. And I think that makes sense for someone like Cusack who has basically been famous since he was 16. Yeah. You know, he's not a child actor, but he's a teen actor. And if once, you know, once you sort of get famous, they always, I've heard a lot for people who get famous, like George Clooney or John Hamm who get famous older. It's like you main you maintain the maturity level of when you first got famous. Yeah. Um, and, development, baby. And so he that's really that talked thing. at length about this. At length. Yeah. Because Taylor Swift famously got famous around 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Swift. And all the like kind of teenage love songs. Exactly. So yeah. someone like Cusack, he doesn't appear to be so arrested development because he's more than a child, but he's trapped in that teenage zone wow very john malkovichy if you ask Mm -hmm. me and so because we're talking about it let's just jump to the category uh who was he dating and how did it affect his performance Mm. because that's a category that we do because he's had so many different relationships so at this point what was one of his longest can you like 
Or the give longest me one I know of in my research is four years Nev Campbell. That's so oh. So this Wait, is who else? Who else has he dated? Sorry, he's dated. Like... Oh, he does. He does what a lot of movie stars do. A lot of co-stars. So a lot. Okay. Allison Eastwood, Minnie Driver. He dated Meg Ryan for a year. Cool. Um, he dated this this actress Jodie Lynn O'Keefe for a while. Um, it's it's Ooh. it's been a lot of people, but I think this okay. is sort of an interesting time because he was filming Being John Malkovich July and August of 1998, which is one of the brief windows since the 80s where he was actually single, Ooh. and he had just gotten out of relationship with Allison Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's daughter, who he met when they were filming uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm -hmm. And then right after this, in the uh, the fall of 98, is when he meets and starts dating Nev Campbell, which is a very long relationship for him. So it's this brief window of like getting off of a short-term fling with a co-star, and then you're single while filming this movie, which like mm -hmm. we've talked about, he's sort of this like emblem of toxic incel culture. And then he yeah. immediately jumps into a longer term relationship with Nev Campbell. Um, and interesting, I wonder, just my own curiosities, is if Cameron Diaz was single at the time and why, why not her? But we don't, we'll not know. Or Catherine Keener, for that matter. You know what? A good um, host would have looked that stuff up. Um, no, it's, I'm just thinking of like, those are two very beautiful, eligible bachelorettes you think um talking about how did it in fact uh impact his performance if he's playing an incel which we now have a word for maybe he tried to hook up with them both and they said no and that sure. fueled his beautiful incel-y performance absolutely but yeah there was nothing like sexual i mean he's so sexually frustrated but also just sexually like He's just like an egomaniac, like yeah. you're a narcissist. I don't know if he's an egomaniac, but I think he's like narcissistic in his relationship and like um, has no sexual like connection. Does he, cause like, does he, when he's in John Malkovich's um, body ever have sex with Maxine? Yeah. He does a okay. couple times, yeah, and then they're together for you know a period of months. Oh end, yes, 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 joke. that is him. For so a while. I do think it's sort of interesting because he has a certain level of like he needs to express control, right? And it's like makes sense. He's a literally a puppeteer, and he needs totally. to have control over some things. But yet with Maxine, he is like such a simp, right? He's so totally. beta for her, and she treats him like garbage the whole thing, and he's so. She gives me such like, I know I've said this already, but like sexy New York City vibes, like just like imagine like what I, like what I would imagine like a New Yorker to have been. Um, yeah, like them at the bar also together. also goes in line yeah. with being, I feel like very like dominatrixy um, of like a girl, city girl who knows what she wants. Mm -hmm. and And also just like, I also thought it was funny how there's no attraction on her part to him at all. Um, but also I believe her in the movie to be a true bisexual icon. I agree. I agree yeah. too. I think um, she's finding her, she like finds herself by the end of it. Right? Yeah. I think she's one of the few people who benefited from the experience. Yes. 
And then, like I said, I had forgotten all about like Cameron Diaz's Lottie, um, like thinking she was transgender, that whole subplot. Um, I just totally forgot about that. And I guess it's not completely resolved because she ends up with Maxine as they're both women. Mm-hmm. But of course, if it becomes Get Out, she does transition into Bradley, not Bradley Cooper, Bradley, Bradley Whitford. Whitford. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't really resolve itself. It's just that Karen Diaz can't actually be John Malkovich. Right. right. Yeah, I just like forgot about that subplot. Well, I didn't forget about the subplot, but I did, you know, unfortunately, we weren't talking about that when we first saw it. No, definitely not. About it through the lens that we should have been thinking about it, which is like she was seeking out something that she needed to be seeking out and it was an outlet for her. Yeah. And could actually be like, you know, at the expense of John Malkovich, forget about him for a second. Yeah. <laughs> like a good experience for um, the character of Lottie to explore that. But we like, mm-hmm. we just didn't, I mean. Yeah, it was sort of just like. A, you're like, that's weird. And it's like, or wild. It's like. Yeah. I, well, I do was- think they did a relatively nice job of not making that like a big joke. Right. There's a lot of no, like borderline Monty python things in it, but that wasn't one of them. No, it definitely wasn't a joke. I think I just like forgotten about it. And then it was interesting. I think just rewatching it now, like Bailey said of like, oh, we're just in a, in a completely different place socially and culturally right. dealing with like trans narratives and movies. Um, but, and I don't think it was treated lightly at all, but it was just interesting. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it was almost able to be treated a little bit more lightly or not as like central to this like longer narrative because we weren't in the cultural moment of like discussing those things as much. Does that make sense? Like if it were to happen now, it would maybe need to be a more like, let's unpack this sort of a thing. But Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. I'd also like to talk about Lottie and um, what is John Cusack's character's name? Craig Schwartz. Craig. That's right, Craig. Well, what a their relationship is like, I don't know. I just, it made me think of all these people I see around the city or like would in pre-COVID times. So I'm like, just these sad little couples. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's get into the, let's just do a, a quick run through of the plot. Okay. There's a tiny door in my office, Maxine, and it takes you inside John Malkovich. There's no such thing as a hole into somebody's brain. Yes, there is. You see the world through John Malkovich's eyes, and then after about 15 minutes... That's not me. I didn't say that. You're spit out into a ditch on the side of the New Jersey turnpike. It was amazing. Where the hell are we? We're Malkovich's subconscious. Malkovich! Malkovich! Being John Malkovich. Opens with a terrifying puppet show. Craig Schwartz, the character John Cusack plays, is in his weird little basement. Uh, Well, their apartment is very interesting because it seems like a basement apartment, but it's also huge. Yeah. It seems sort of sweet. But Uh, then also maybe is like not up to code. Right. Yeah. And that's why it's a bit. It's probably a fire hazard. Yeah. And they have like crazy amounts of animals. But it starts yeah. it's like sets the tone right away with this like really scary puppet show, which I do think is there's a really nice like 
bit of writing, I think, by Charlie Kaufman, where he's like doing he's doing his practice puppet show to his music that he's playing. Mm -hmm. But then on his backing track, he includes applause, which I thought was such a nice character moment to like let us know who this dude is right away. Totally. Um, Which also it happens early on. I'm obsessed with the fact that there was a more famous puppeteer who was doing something in like New Paltz or Yonkers or something. Um, Just loved that. Like the The famous puppeteer. And then I was thinking, I was like, do I know any puppeteer? (laughs) Yeah. I love the whole undercurrent of what puppetry is in this world, like artistically and like the audience for it. And we'll get to it. But the documentary on Malkovich at the end is hilarious. Um, Oh, yes. It's incredible. And but then also, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's such a metaphor, but then it's like he becomes the ultimate puppet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's 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 really it's one of those movies that's it's just it makes sense that Kaufman's the first person a lot of people think of when you think of it because it's so well written and so tight and so dense. And everything is perfect. Actually, I should have said this earlier, but um, John Cusack has said in a couple interviews that when he was switching agencies to William Morris, he was he was like sort of a young hot star in the early 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And he was switching agencies and he said, give me the scripts that you will, you'll never produce. And when I went there, I said, you know, come on, you guys have a vault somewhere, right? You guys have the vault of like the whatever your black book is like the most unproducible scripts. Right. Uh-huh. And, I, and they're like, Oh, well, no. And then I, but I said, I, I know you guys have something like where you have like this little box that has the craziest shit, you know, whatever they call the really, I don't know what they call it. Well, I, I was, I was fishing, but I thought they must. Right. Well, why were you do? why were you asking those questions? Cause you wanted to do something new and weird and wild. Why were you? Yeah. Oh. I wanted to find out where like, you know, because anything good, Right. Most things that are good don't really get, can't be comprehended when they first come out. Okay. You know, it's All usually right. only time something is good. Because that's what I want to do. And if, you, and if you ever do produce this and I'm the first person you call, then I'll stay with you forever. And if I'm not, then I, I'm leaving you. And the <gasps> script they gave him was being John Malkovich. And it was always being John Malkovich. Malkovich was the only actor that Kaufman ever had in mind. Oh, that's fun. And he had no backup. And I think the studio at one point was like, what if it was being Tom Cruise? Couldn't that be good? And he was just like, no, it's funnier if it's Malkovich and that's all I have. But anyway, Cusack read the script, I I think in the early nineties and then they sat on it for a while, but eventually it got made. John Malkovich called me up and he went, "Um, you know, Johnny, uh, you know, there's this script and it's really good. And, uh, you know, and I, like I was already doing the script, you yeah. know, right? Like I don't know why John was calling me. He goes, and you know, it it's about me, and you know, and you know, it, it says I'm an asshole, but you know, fuck it, I am an asshole, and you know, I just think I go, John, John, stop! I'm doing this. It's great. I love that it was always John Malkovich, but that also makes so much sense because it's like he the movie can't become about what it's like to be famous. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, exactly. And that's what it would have been if it was Tom Cruise or anyone bigger than John Malkovich. It was like, what is it like to have an easy life that's maybe aided by money and doing enjoyable things, but it's not like, you know, he's like bombarded with fans or anything like that. Um, yeah, right, John that's Malkovich. such a great point. 
And then there's just Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, that which is an amazing cameo, which we'll get to. So yeah. after the opening, which is this puppet show, the movie introduces Cameron Diaz, who is this like incredible, sweet, understanding wife who seemingly supports him in his like fledgling puppetry career. I wanted to look up, but I did forget. It was like, is it legal to own a chimpanzee in New York City? I cannot I imagine that. I probably know. I also love the running gag throughout the movie where they, everyone calls it a monkey, but it's clearly a chimp. Yes. <laughs> which is great. And um, they introduce this chimp right after they introduce Cameron Diaz. And John Cusack has a line where he's he looks at the chimp and says, consciousness is such a terrible curse, <laughs> um, which I think is such a perfect like button for the yes. end where he's like, he's cursed with nothing but consciousness. In, yes. uh, with no body or anything, which I think is is great. Um, and then I love how he is like this. He's this puppeteer who's like very self-righteous and he won't do like puppet shows for little kids. He's no. just like, I just want to do my work and they won't allow it. Yeah, the whole puppeteer thing. It was so, yeah, so specific. And like, obviously, I think all of us being like working artists and like, having especially been involved with something like improv, which is like a little bit off kilter on like the people who take those things so seriously and can't see the, um, the oddness or the like humor in taking it so seriously are always a little alarming. And I feel like that's how it is with like puppetry or like, I know some people who do mime and it's like, it's cool if you do mime like and I understand you can go to like incredible French mime schools and stuff but also you're a mime and that's silly (laughs) and like you know it's I feel like that's the same with like puppetry it's like it's very cool but you also have to be like I do something sort of silly (laughs) and this character clearly not yeah but I love that the movie itself is like this sort of highbrow metaphysical comedy or drama, you know, with elements of horror or whatever. But then it's never gets too, it's like, that's what the true indictment is, is like of artists who take themselves too seriously. Cause then at one point, like someone just like throws a beer can at John Malkovich's head. And that's, uh-huh. it's just like a super slapsticky joke, which is hilarious. Yes. And it's never, it's never takes itself seriously, so serious that it can't just like indulge in these just- No, totally. Um. It's wonderful. Okay, wait, can we talk about The Office? Yes. So John Cusack gets a job um, because he has fast hands because he's a puppeteer. He gets a job basically just like like filing files into filing cabinets. Yeah. And uh, he works on floor seven and a half of this office building. Octavia Spencer has like a really brief role, shows him how to- I know. I was like, there's our girl. (laughs) And she looks exactly the same 20 Mm -hmm. years later. Office Um, number seven and a half. Another just Charlie Kaufman, Spike Jones choice that I love, but um, it made him, it, that was like another funny thing seeing John Cusack and Catherine Keener both navigating that space where again, I'm just repeating myself, Catherine Keener somehow manages to look chic while like bending <laughs> over and like John Cusack couldn't have looked like schlubbier and more awful. And it was like very funny seeing both of those characters navigate this same physical constraint. Um, 
and like how one of them managed to make it look cool. <laughs> that office was, I felt reminiscent of like every first couple of jobs I worked in New York City. Where oh, totally. Japan, and like, I was like, I moved to New York City to live the dream and like have no money and live in a windowless bedroom. And this is what I'm doing. Yes. They did a really good job of like uh, painting that. And yeah. I appreciated it. I feel yeah. like The Office is really good because having floor number seven and a half, it's such a thing that could be like twee and quirky. Like if like Miranda July or Wes Anderson was doing it, it could be too much. Yeah. Like too quirky or too whatever. And I feel like the way they did it, it is like Perfectly brutally different. realistic almost. Totally. And like grimy and like Kafka-esque rather like makes you think of like all the horrible jobs you had and not just like, ooh, what a magical quirky world we're in no it's like your floor is worthless it's not a real number it doesn't matter yeah. like somehow floor seven or floor eight matters because floor seven and a half it, it doesn't matter but your job the floor you worked on anyway didn't matter yeah that office was just great and then the dr lester was a fantastic uh, character too wow. the first thing he says is he's not banging his secretary yeah which i just thought that said it all right there he's just yeah. this like sort of lecherous but in like a fun way. She's what they call an executive liaison. And I'm not banging her if that's what you're implying. He watches this orientation video that you think is just this quirky thing that mm -hmm. then has significance later in the movie. But also is another one of the get out connections is people cite that this orientation video and then the uh, orientation video that Daniel Kalula has to watch when he's tied to the chair at the end of the oh, movie yeah. are very similar oh, in tone and look. Um, I'm into this because I'm into this. I'm yeah. obsessed with it. You know who else is into this theory? Jordan Peele. This is, I love this theory. I have heard this theory. It was definitely not lost on me that um, I was able to get Katherine Keener in her second like weird perspective living in someone else's brain movie. We joked about that. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the movie being John Malkovich. I also sat down with uh, Spike Jones a couple months ago, told him this theory myself, um, and he chuckled. So as far as I'm concerned, it's true. Ooh, and he would know. Okay, I love that. He, I love that. So, so I think it's canon. Yeah. So Cusack is working in this place. He meets mm -hmm. Catherine Keener, who, like Katie said multiple times, who just oozes sexuality. Of on her. What can I say? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Cusack yeah. certainly does. And that, like, becomes now his driving force. He's, like, obsessed yeah. with her. Who then, after he has the drink with Catherine Keener in this bar, immediately goes home and then makes a puppet of her. Totally. Which... I don't know if that was to woo her or just to like act no, out some freak. fantasies, but like I wanted to ask, what is the one art form that's the worst one to use if a guy was trying to woo you with his art? Oh man. Oh. Um, would it be like making something of me or just if you give me any sort of- Just a... using his art to woo you. I don't know, like if it was a mime, it'd be like, I'm gonna do this mime performance to impress you or, you know, I'm gonna write you a poem or, you know. Um, Let's think. I did have, so I, hold on. Another sidebar of this sidebar is that I was the editor of my literary magazine in high school. And um, I would sometimes that, a certain kind of guy would write poems and submit them to the magazine, but they were clearly 
about and for me. (laughs) Is this a, wow. And it was like, but it was like always these guys who were like, I don't know. Did you ever knew, know who it was? Could you tell who it was? Oh yeah, absolutely. And like this, this guy was like, this one I remember, it was like written about me as if I was a princess in a tower. Like it was. Was it Keith Raniere? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I haven't seen that doc yet. So no spoilers. Uh, I don't know what happens. <laughs> um, but no, it was just super bizarre. And then I had another guy who like was also like the big, I was like the poet girl in high school and he was the poet guy. And then mm-hmm. one time he wrote a lyric about me or a, sorry, a stanza. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it was, I want to I want to tickle her until she similes, see if she tastes like a metaphor. <laughs> no. Ew. I thought you were going to say, I want to Nope, I want to tickle her until she similes. <laughs> I was just about to be like, this is still a lot sweeter than building a puppet, but that's that's pretty bad. It was pretty terrible, Um, but... I don't know. A puppet would be, I mean, I guess like woodworking would be kind of cool, but like getting a puppet of my likeness would be pretty scary. I think that that would be. Do you think that's different than like getting a portrait done of you? If someone like painted you? Absolutely. But it's it's, it's so similar somehow. No. Intellectually, it's similar. It's like doing a likeness of someone, but having the medium changes somehow. No, it's so different. Can I just? Yeah go off for a minute it's so different because a puppet you have control over Mm. and you can like move it and make it do the things that you want to do as a woman or as you would want this woman woman to do who is not you a portrait is a still unmoving yeah like like something to be admired not interacted with what you are Mm-hmm. A puppet, yes. you some you control. It's that yeah. idea of like there's a verb versus a noun here. A puppet <laughs> feels closer to if someone got a pillowcase with your face printed on it. I mean, and you'd be like, "What are you better. doing?" <laughs> this is better. The fact that you can have your hand up my ass and having me talk and do what you want me to do. Well, it's also it's different if it's a marionette puppet than if it's like a ventriloquist hand up the ass puppet. No, but even in his little puppet show, like we know what he does with puppets. He That's gets true. them to like hump each other. Yeah. Like it I think that was also very indicative of like we saw the first thing we see is what he can do with puppets mm-hmm. and the narratives he plays out with puppets so we know him making a puppet of her has some um salacious he has some you know, risky plans control the control factor like even not getting down to details of how it's being controlled from above or from mm-hmm. like just but a portrait, you just, ha- it's just like, I liked the way you looked. I mean, it could still be creepy, but like, there's just something about somebody controlling what I could say and do versus someone just like creating a life. Totally. Well, I think what you're, I think, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, but I also think that now maybe it is just like context means everything, right? As we're learning with just even something as simple as a compliment, context means everything and making art for or about a girl no matter totally. what it is, can be creepy as hell. <laughs> so the next like big plot point is Cusack is moving around some files, moves a filing cabinet, and then sees a slimy hole in the wall 
And whenever you see a slimy hole in the wall, you, you just gotta, gotta go it down it. <laughs> you gotta go slip Absolutely. sliding down that thing. Um, something I would probably do. Are you kidding? I, I wouldn't do it. I think I would. In a New York building, you would, would go say, into a hole in the wall? I don't believe A little you. door? Yeah. It wasn't it's, just a hole. There was a door. You would tumble down this? But then there's dirt and mud and sludge, and you're on I'm your an, hands I'm a Girl Scout. Knees. I'm an outdoors girl. Okay. I <laughs> some cookies, so you're going to go down a tube? Mm-hmm. I would camp. I'd hike. Whitewater raft. You're like, here, wow. would you like some? Go down a tube. Milk? I would just be so scared of rats, which you know have to be living in this thing. Yeah. Okay, sidebar. Did you hear about the guy on- Yes. 100- yes. No, I didn't hear Yes. It. Bailey, I don't know if you're ready for this. I'm ready. Matt, go ahead. So this guy was walking to a bus stop on like 3rd Ave and 180th something. Okay. And a sinkhole, like the ground gave way beneath him and he fell down like 15, 20 feet into a hole and was surrounded by rats and he said he got so like he was he scared to even yell because he was afraid the rats would swarm into his mouth it's what's he doing now his his brother well, said that interview. <laughs> his brother said he's in the hospital uh and like physically relatively fine but deeply traumatized okay what an honest yeah, that's yeah. like oh the, much of an update as like anyone. Yeah, that's the best we could hope for. Oh my God. A yeah. Sinkhole? You know what? I think that if a sinkhole got me, I would just be like, I don't know. This is it. This is the end. I think I would. I would be like, oh. I know a guy who um, in Baltimore was walking and, um, he felt, you know, like the steam grates, but one of those gave in and he fell into it and he got these like crazy steam burns on his legs, but then sued the city and has a lot of money now. But does he have like um, a charred up little peen? I do think it is hard for him to walk. <laughs> so not worth it. No. Not worth it. Um. But so all, all these could be possibilities uh, with this hole in the wall. Okay, thing. I know, I know. But see, I'm curious. I was born curious. <laughs> I'm a natural born inquisitive gal. I've always said you have a very like feline energy about you. Like a Thank curious. you. What's my energy, Matt? You also have like a very feline energy about <laughs> okay, you. Okay, women are felines. <laughs> I don't think I have a feline energy at all. Actually. I've also never gotten that I have a feline energy, but I was just trying to do a curiosity cat thing, you know? Okay, so there's a hole in the wall. Yeah, so there's a hole in the wall. And then a half hour, 30 minutes into this movie, we finally get to meet the titular uh, John Malkovich because this hole leads you into John Malkovich's brain. Uh, you get to see through his eyes, feel what he feels for 15 minutes, and then, it, like we said, it spits you out onto the side of the Jersey Turnpike. Absolutely. Which is hilarious. Perfect choice. Um, oh, and while uh, Cusack is in Malkovich's head, we get in the first of what also becomes a really great running bit where no one in the movie like seems to really know who John Malkovich is or can name a single one of his movies. Yes. <laughs> Um, which is also like again my relationship to John Malkovich and it seems most celebrities. <laughs> Cusack tells Maxine about this portal 
And the first and she's thing, a little cash slut for cash. And she's like, like, we're gonna turn this into a business venture, which again is something I respect. And I love seeing her all of a sudden be like, I'm down to hang with this dude, um, which I love. Yeah, really respect. And true to that, what that character seems like she's all about. Absolutely. Um, Again, a New, York, a New York City girl who's wheeling and dealing. Yeah, she. this is the, the you know, the capital of capital, baby. Absolutely. Um, but then also sometime in there, we get Lottie who tries out yes. John Malkovich's brain for the first time. And then that's where we're sort of introduced to um, her being like, I feel this part of me, this like itch that needs to be scratched sort of a thing. Um, yes, so she... She realizes that she may be, uh, she says the the word she uses in the movie is transsexual, which is I now a very dated term. Yes. Um, but I think the, the idea behind it is, is not to make light of this. She is, it's actually sort of nice. She has, does have this like gender awakening. Um, and then becomes sort of addicted then to making love because then Maxine crosses over the world and she then goes and meets John Malkovich mm-hmm. and seduces him and has sex with him. But, but while, the- while Cameron Diaz is Lottie is in, is in Malkovich. In Malkovich, um, which then Catherine Keener is like, or Maxine is like, I only like having sex with him when Lottie is in him. Yes. Yeah. So that adds to that as well. Which honestly, the first like when I was watching it, I, I didn't just because like Maxine is a little bit of a trickster and, and like a little sly fox. I was like, I didn't know if that is something she actually meant or she was also kind of like tricking Lottie um, or like saying that to get gain something. I think eventually I realized she was honestly felt that way, but. I think she, my interpretation was she becomes to feel that way about Lottie. And at the beginning, she is sort of trying to manipulate, because she is like a little schemer, right? Like the first thing she thinks of is like, let's monetize this portal. And I think her whole thing is like control of people in a a similar way to John Cusack, literal puppeteer. She's like sort of an emotional puppeteer. Totally, yeah. So my reading of it was she doesn't like Lottie really at first, but she's just manipulating her at first. I I think though that she does begin to. Yeah, I think she- No, yeah, yeah, I think she ultimately does. And like- That's why her character is so interesting to me because she plays her with such a range of color. Like Mm -hmm. she's so, there's so much depth to Mm -hmm. her where she could have just been like this wheeling and dealing. Well, that's what I was confused about because I was like, this is a, a tricky character who likes, who's deceptive in her motives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think we eventually like get to the point where we're like, oh, she actually does like this gal. So mm-hmm. they go, they start doing these multiple sort of dates where Ma- uh, Maxine goes out with Malkovich and then waits for Lottie to enter Malkovich. And actually one of my favorite parts of the movie is Malkovich and her sitting on the couch waiting yes. for Lottie to enter. And she just with like the most disdain turns to Malkovich and it's just like, so I don't know, do you like enjoy being an actor? Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> so unimpressed. 
Uh, it's very funny. <laughs> it's it's really good. Okay, so we got them yes. running their scheme, but then they get caught. Yes. So John Cusack goes into he's it's sort of this weird love triangle, right? And Cusack's in love with yeah. Maxine, and Maxine's in love with uh, seemingly Lottie, Lottie but John. only when Malkovich and uh, so this jealous Cusack arranges he basically he locks Lottie in a cage in a monkey cage. Yes. And arranges for Maxine to think Lottie is going to be in Malkovich, but he goes into Malkovich. And then because he's a puppeteer, he starts to be able to control. Yes. He like gets a psychological grasp on John Malk. Mm -hmm. Who then he starts to realize what's going on and calls up his best friend, who is Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> which is also so funny. And it's another one of those mom- those those things in the movie where it's like, oh, you picked the perfect version. It's so funny. Um, who uh, actually, in the script, that was supposed to be Kevin Bacon. No. Yes. Oh, that's very funny. Which that would have been good too, but I do think Charlie I Sheen. I prefer it as Sheen. I mean, Charlie Sheen has aged so well also. I mean, and by that I mean badly, yeah. but like, in terms of like entertainment wise, that choice is very funny. Hot lesbian witches, think about it, it's fucking genius. I feel like for me, Charlie Sheen is sometimes the peak um, guest star. I don't, well, I don't know if you'd call it a guest star moment, like what you call that in film. Cameo? Cameo. Um, like, uh, was it Breakfast Club? Which one is the one where he plays oh, the bad Ferris boy? Bueller? Ferris Bueller, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I remember thinking that was the first movie where I saw a cameo and I was like, this was perfect. Like, he stole the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was so, mm-hmm. so fucking good. And he's better like that than when he's like the star. Like, I don't want to watch yeah. him in Pontoon. Is that what it's No, I don't think he has the ability to like pull the narrative. Platoon, sorry. Yeah. I agree. I I think he uh, he's perfect when he can just come in, hit a home run, and and, and yeah, leave. and he hits it hard. Yeah. but he should not yeah. be pitching the whole goddamn game. Yeah, no. yeah, that was a perfect baseball metaphor. Thank um, you, I baseball. Yeah, Malkovich. He ends up showing up at the portal himself and goes down it, uh, really angrily because he's like, "What is going on here?" Yeah, um, and that's when we get one of one of the best scenes in the movie where it's just like Malkovich folding in on himself. Yes. And it's everyone being Malkovich, including like a very sexy Malkovich lady lounge Malkovich. singer. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. love a sexy lady Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. It's excellent. No, that scene is very fun. And it's also just the like set piece you need um, for like everything, like that culminative like you can't have a tunnel into John Malkovich's brain that John Malkovich doesn't eventually go oh, down. Yeah, Cause then like, what are we, why are you making this movie? It's Chekhov's Malkovich. You gotta, yeah, do the double Malk. <laughs> um, and it's so, I don't know, this whole movie, I'm just so thankful that Malkovich had the sense of humor he does to, totally. to do it. Well, that's like what also makes it so, like the choice of him so good. Cause it's, like anyone less serious than him wouldn't be as fun and anyone more serious wouldn't have said yes. Yeah. (laughs) So like it truly hit the nail 
on the head, as they say. And he gets spit out on the turnpike and he demands the portal be closed. And I also thought this just like tiny little scene was so funny because like the, he doesn't, he seems less concerned about like the magical metaphysical aspect of it. And he just says, I will see you in court. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was such okay. a perfect like movie star. <laughs> lawyer up. <laughs> yeah. As they will say. And then he later. gets rocked in the head with a beer can, which yeah. that made me laugh harder than maybe anything else, which totally. shows you my maturity level. But I thought that was just so funny. Just like such a, like you didn't need to put that moment in and it's just like, oh, this will be funny. Like, let's also just throw mm -hmm. a beer can at So what's also been interesting about like Cusack's like emotional, like character narrative, like Craig is that like, he's sort of this hapless guy, but then at the point he locks up Lottie you're like, oh, this man's like sadistic. Like, you know, the, like we've seen enough things where like the guy who's sort of in a relationship, not going anywhere, falls for the sexy new woman, but then like redeems himself or realizes he's made a mistake or whatever. But then it's just like, oh, this guy's a fucking mess. Like he doesn't ever redeem himself um, in any sort of a way. And like, I do think Cusack does a very good job at like, playing through that were you attracted to cusack in this movie bailey yeah <laughs> oh, oh okay Sec okay wait let me let me back up. no i just mean were you watching this and you're you you were you saying like yeah i'd still do it i think that's a better way of putting it i was ex i was really unattracted to his character his character's fucking awful um i was attracted to him in it because he was playing an awful character and that was sexy to me does that make sense mm -hmm. like um no he didn't do uh, uh the character is objectively bad he is a bad man yeah i just mean and like he, his wardrobe his hair his classes oh, no, 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 the sort of no, no, schlubby no, no. nature no, his like whole vibe no, no. and no. like i like a guy in a ponytail and like i couldn't have been less attracted no, to no, this no. guy none of that none of that just that i was attracted to the actor who i was sure. familiar with playing this role because i know how hot he can be i know that he isn't those things and i'm glad he played them yeah, I think, yeah. so yeah. like so so there were a lot of layers of what i was attracted to none of them were the character itself sure lottie escapes and goes to meet with Dr. Lester. Yes. Uh, because, oh, I did mention earlier in the movie, she goes into, she has dinner at Dr. Lester's house, goes into his back room, and it's like a shrine to John Malkovich. Yes. Which is, you know, she puts two and two together. Dr. Lester knows something. Yeah. And she goes to meet Dr. Lester, and then we get, um, I guess, as much of an explanation and exposition as we're going to get in this kind of movie yeah. about like what the portal is. And basically, he says, that he is one of the characters from the initiation video. He's like hundreds of years old and he has found this portal that he can continuously use and reuse and reuse and it'll put hit, it puts him into different ripe bodies, but they're only ripe for one day a year or one day a lifetime. Um, and he needs to get into mm. Malkovich on his 44th birthday. 44. And if he goes in a second too late, he gets trapped basically in the sunken place from Get Out of the next vessel, who eventually is John Malkovich's daughter with Maxine. Um, yes. 
Allison Williams. Yes. Yes, exactly. So he's just this guy who's been using and reusing bodies time over time over time. And then as they, the next one gets ripe, he goes into the next one, which I find the whole concept very horrifying. It is like oh, the absolutely. scariest part of Get Out. It's just like this deeply well, troubling. The idea of living forever is like the scariest thing. Meanwhile, yeah. Mal- uh, Malkovich, he has been totally taken over by Cusack's character. Cusack has yeah. learned not only how to He's control He's the ultimate him, puppeteer now. Yeah. He can stay in longer than the 15 minutes and never has to leave Malkovich's body. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, and then Maxine decides that she can be with Cusack now that he's Malkovich. And then we just get a, some really great scenes where this is my favorite part. Where Cusack and is he's like, I can leverage. First of all, this whole time Malkovich is doing a weird pseudo John Cusack impression, which I think yeah. is very good. I love um, it. And then Cusack's character is like, I can leverage Malkovich's fame to launch my puppeteering career. We flash forward eight months later, Maxine is pregnant and Cusack has been living as Malkovich for eight months. Yeah. And then, and then Cusack as Malkovich goes downstairs to watch the documentary on what is his successful puppeteering career. Yeah, revolutionized puppeteering. Yeah, yeah. and that's where, yeah, he has that line, I will act no more forever. Yes. <laughs> I also would love to just know Charlie Kaufman's like thoughts on puppets. <laughs> like, I can't decide if this is like his homage to it or if, like if he was wronged by a puppeteer in an earlier. I feel like this life. Is like did an improv one where it'd be like we he probably was involved in puppeteering and then felt like so drained by it. Yeah. We see this documentary. We see Malkovich doing open mics, which I think is very funny, like Catskill open mics. But then eventually yeah. he becomes a huge success and other actors like Sean Penn. It made me really like Sean Penn a lot better because uh-huh. he like is playing a version of himself that also is like a very self-serious version of himself talking about who he also was going to leave acting yeah. to become a puppeteer. <laughs> I think that once, uh, once we all get the courage to just follow through on our instincts like Malkovich has, I think that uh, a lot of us will move into puppetry. A theater critic starts talking. That theater critic is actually David Fincher. <gasps> which is a fun little cameo. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. Um, and then it ends, the scene ends with, we see Maxine upstairs over the crib where her baby will eventually be, but she is sort of touching affectionately a puppet of Lottie. And I think that's where we now know that she genuinely has feelings for Cameron Diaz's character. And also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like one of the first scenes that we're seeing Maxine on her own. Yes, I think you're right. And which we're actually seeing into her not putting on a public display of deception or cruelty or whatever it is. So it's like, oh, we know how she actually feels now. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good point. I I think it's the only scene in the movie. Because we like, we're only getting her through Craig or Lottie or when she's like in business mode. Mm-hmm. And then even with Malkovich, she becomes his like manager. Like she's like the woman behind the scenes. Exactly. And then Dr. Lester and Lottie, because it is approaching Malkovich's 44th birthday where he's going to be ripe, quote unquote. 
they kidnap Lottie to to force Cusack to relinquish control over Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't want to because he's like, this is the only... No, they kidnap Maxine, you mean. Sorry, did I? who did yeah, I say? Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they kidnap Maxine. They kidnap Maxine. Yes. Uh, to force Craig to let go of um, Malkovich. Yes. And eventually he does... But by then it's too late. Lottie and Maxine have, they have a really fun chase scene through Malkovich's subconscious, which reminds me a lot of um, The Eternal Sunshine, also written by Charlie Kaufman. They admit feelings to each other and they sort of are driving off right as Cusack relinquishes control, falls out into the rain on the turnpike right next to them. And they drive off and, and yell out of the cab, he's not with us. Yes. Which I think is very like. And I was like, I love this bitchy lesbian couple yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> just a perfect, like. Very fun. Perfect end. Um, and then Cusack. So Dr. Lester and all of his friends, because he has all these old friends who also want to live forever. And yes, also very get out, like secret yes. society of old people. Of old white people who want to body snatch. So Cusack exits Malkovich. And then mm-hmm. Malkovich has one brief moment where he has regained control of his own body. And he's like, thank God I'm back. And then immediately Dr. Lester and all these old people uh-huh. take control. And then they, it, there's that great moment where he's just like, we are Malkovich. And they yes. like achieve some sort of <laughs> hive mind within him. <laughs> Something about it like that, like um, felt like, and I can't explain this connection, like the minions. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. Like they're all like weird. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> And then Cusack, not knowing the rules of the yeah. of the portal, goes into the portal too late and then becomes trapped in the body of the da- of Malkovich's daughter, who is now being raised by Lottie and Maxine. And in like that very haunting ending, he's just like desperately pleading with her to look away because he can't bear looking at them anymore. And he's trapped basically in the sunken place, get out style. Um Maybe. And then there's a scene of of Malkovich and Charlie Sheen as they're like plotting their next jump into also into that daughter character, sort of implying that this cycle of body snatching will keep continue. Continue. Um, And it's just this, it's a really funny movie. And then it just has this very haunting, creepy ending. Totally. I mean, it's funny because like all these situations are wacky and like unbelievable and whimsical but like um it's deeply sad i don't know i feel like there's even some metaphor of like even on the floor they all worked on they can't be like stand up and be real full people they're all these sort of like half versions of themselves the very depressing movie i think if it wasn't as wacky and it didn't have those things like a half floor or chimpanzees you'd be like okay this is not a comedy yeah it'd be like like unbearable to watch i think We've come to the end, and normally we do categories um, and segments, but I feel like a lot of the stuff we were going to do in the categories, we've sort of covered. But before we go, where can we find you on the internet, Katie? Um, You can find me on Instagram at K-A-D-Y-R-A-B-B-I-T-S or katieruth.com. And uh, those are the two places I exist on the internet. Bailey, do you have anything you want to plug? or where, And if sure. not, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at 
um, at B-E-D-W-E-R-D-S or at baileybelzora.com. Um, that's where I exist on the internet also. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing Absolutely. this podcast. This was a really fun, interesting conversation. It was. I mean, um, it was. <laughs> well, I hope to have both of you back on Pod Cusack. For Say Anything. Well, definitely I mean, for Say Anything. And there's I like, there, he has so many that. films and flicks that we just got to watch. Well, babe, guess what? I'm not allowed out of my house. We're on lockdown. <laughs> so just let me know. Also, <laughs> just God forbid, if the worst happens, everyone out there, we are recording this before the election. Yeah. Yes, so we are that's in a why state- we are in such good cautiously optimistic moods yeah uh, i'm fully dissociated i can't really see what sort of a mood i'm in but that's why i'm maybe haven't finished full sentences <laughs> or anything like that but it is before the election and if for some reason john cusack wins the election tomorrow then we will be members of his cabinet yes but we didn't know so we wouldn't have said all of these things about our future president <laughs> If we had known he was going to be our president, <laughs> respectfully, we would never think about what porn the president watches. I would literally never. Hail to the cues, baby. It's pa baby. It's pa